Hey, on this week's Off the Circle, we have serial entrepreneur uh, Oscar Morales. based entrepreneurs and business people learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way off the circle the indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before hey welcome back everybody to off the circle it's been a little bit huh, yeah it has yeah <laughs> we took a summer break yeah a little little summer break uh ryan grimes is with me of course from my it indie and this is doug Carr with dk new media and we have sitting in with us today oscar morales uh oscar is a uh if you haven't if you know the investment community obviously you know who oscar is uh but he's a serial entrepreneur uh and and now in charge of the largest angel network in in central indiana that's correct. That's Thank incredible. You. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And uh, I had the absolute pleasure of seeing Oscar speak at uh, Kinsey Academy's Innovation Series, uh, which I would highly recommend. In fact, there's another one next week, mm -hmm. I think, on, on Thursday. So uh, if you're in town, look up Kinsey Academy on Facebook, follow them. And, uh, and Chuck and his team have been bringing in uh, on entrepreneurs from uh, within, within the city as well as from the West Coast. And trying to trying to get folks on the West Coast to realize that we're, you know this isn't all corn that out we here. exist out <laughs> yeah, there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then of course bringing folks like Oscar and and I, I was really happy to see Oscar because we, I think we have traveled in the same circles for ten years now, but I hadn't and had missed not, each other. Yeah, yeah, up yeah. until just a few weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, great talking to you. You as well. Um, and maybe for everybody listening. Um, Talk about your unconventional start into into entrepreneurism. Well, I don't know that. First of all, it's really fun to be here. Appreciate the, oh, the yeah, invitation. Oh yeah, thank you for coming to you and Ryan. Uh, I've heard a lot of great things about the podcast, and, and well, that's good. Uh, really <laughs> honored and surprised that I'm actually going to be on here. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So um, again, uh, you know, we we have the largest angel investor network uh, in Indiana. We've been doing this for 10 years so you know, wow. we've had a lot of time hmm. to uh to grow this and and it's certainly not been me alone i've got a strong partnership uh as well as uh, an executive director who has been very very uh effective in in terms of growing the network and so you know today we uh i think we are comprised of five different chapters uh here in indianapolis fort wayne West Lafayette, Bloomington, and our newest chapter in Dayton, Ohio. Wow, that's uh, And awesome. we also have, what's exciting is we also have a, um, a group of physicians that went through the Kelly MBA school, uh, the Physician MBA program, and uh, when they graduated, decided that they wanted to be angel investors as well. So we have a virtual group of physicians, if you will, called Angel Bomb that uh, wow. helps us vet deals and uh, invest in deals. And so we're, we're really excited uh, to have them. And, and uh, you know, the whole group as a, as a whole is, is just a phenomenal group. Uh, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a really intriguing way of doing due diligence, you know, on, on I, um, I, had, I had an amazing, you know, when I first started, uh, I got to help Francisco Partners with mm -hmm. And, and they, they said, yeah, we have the accounts and we have the attorneys, but we don't know whether this is a good product or not, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So having a team of doctors 
to be able to give firsthand knowledge, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's, again, it's the entire group. I mean, I, one of the things that I say to entrepreneurs is, given our group and the breadth of knowledge and experience and sector experience even, uh, there's not a deal that comes to us that somebody in our group doesn't know something about. So, yeah. um, you know, it's physicians looking at life science types of deals. You know, it's tech stuff that we're looking at, IoT things that we're looking at. It, it's really advanced manufacturing, ag yeah. tech. So uh, one of our members has it covered somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah that's it's exciting. It, and it really does allow us to take a serious look at, at different types of companies in different, uh, yeah. in different sectors or industries, if you will. What, um, why, why Indianapolis? What got you, what got you here? Oh, why did I come here? Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I was living in Boulder, Colorado. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah. So, um, somehow somebody in Indiana found me, uh, out there and, and, uh, recruited me. So I came out here to work for a company in 2000, uh, a company called Covance. Uh, on the life science side. That's my yeah. background. So I came out here in 2000. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know where Indiana was on a map. I knew kind of where it was, but uh, yeah. truly didn't know exactly where it was. So um, so we came out here, uh, brought the family along back then. And, and uh, you know, we've we've made it home now for almost, uh, what, 20 years, close to close to 20 years. Now. So I'm a Hoosier, I think, right? <laughs> I, I, Officially, the statute of limitations yeah. is up I was, on that. <laughs> I was, I was probably, I probably moved about the same time you did. I was in Denver. I was in Lakewood. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, and the dot bomb. So they adopted two Coloradoans. I know. That's, I, I wasn't originally from time. Colorado, but yeah, I, nor I do, was I. I do miss it though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty special out there, right? Um, but it's interesting because 2000. I think that's, you know, there was some pretty bad times for tech out sure, there. I sure. think Broomfield had exploded in growth and then it was empty. Yep. And now I've heard that it's all back, yeah. you know. And um, then some. Yeah, yeah. So, but Boulder's a tough place to leave. That's a... It is. A cool, it was a very artsy, different lifestyle. Hippie yeah. town. Yeah. yeah, very hippie-ish. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was changing a lot too and it has continued to change. And so, I mean... You know, this is home, and yeah. there are so many really great things about Indiana and being here, and that have certainly for me, um, you know, brought me a lot of, uh, you know, good success. So yeah. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, absolutely, and I'm the same, right? I haven't yeah. moved, and it's a, a great place to raise your family, absolutely. obviously. Uh, I think, um, I think, you know, I, I aspire to someday be more of an investor, you know, <laughs> here in, in town, and part of the reason is, We'll just, be here. I, uh, exactly. <laughs> I just see the incredible, uh, maybe stability here. Mm -hmm. The market doesn't have these huge rise and falls. Uh, you know, the housing market doesn't. The employment market. There's always the feeder schools. Uh, I meet people every week that come back mm -hmm. to Indiana. It's like a you know, there's some magic here that's yeah. that's that hasn't hasn't seen its full potential yet. Yeah, and I think the things that have certainly been happening kind of in this community and this entrepreneurial community have uh, continued to create more and more of those attractions. So I think uh, we'll continue to see that, you know, for the foreseeable future. We're really excited about that. And that's why we continue to grow uh, the angel network and we're doing some other stuff that's kind of exciting too. Do you have a, a couple examples of companies that you're investing in now that you're really excited about that have? have uh, well, we just, uh, let's see, I don't know if I can, we just literally invested in a company, I think, last week uh, that's not a public announcement yet. So I can't okay. speak to that. Really excited about that because that is a local company. Um, it is a life science company, which is exciting as well. Nice. 
and um, we're really, really fortunate to, to be in a position to, to help support them and, and to not only invest in them, but, but bring some of our resources uh, to bear and, and help them you know, in any way we can. Um, you know, we've invested in companies like Bolstra, for example, yeah. uh, on the tech side. Um, here locally, we've also invested, uh, we were one of the first investors, this is going back to probably nine years, we were one of the first investors in a company called Orthopediatrics which uh, ended up going public last year in October. Oh, wow. Um, so that was a great success story, wonderful company, wonderful mission and purpose, uh, providing pediatric uh, uh, devices for, uh, for young patients oh, uh, nice. that, that really didn't exist before. So it was great to be a part of that. Um, we've uh, invested in a company called SonarMed locally, another life science company. Uh, we, you know, altogether, we have uh, 35 portfolio companies um, and we've invested right around $15 million in those companies. Wow. And, and those companies nice. have actually gone on to raise another $300 million plus in, in capital. So I think we're picking good companies and supporting good companies. Um, and that's, you know, uh, that's what we, we're, we're trying to, to accomplish a couple of things. One is certainly to support uh, Indiana companies, the Indiana ecosystem, but we're also trying to make our investors successful at being investors. And so in order to do that, uh, we've got to find the best possible deals, whether they exist in Indiana or elsewhere. And yeah. so we do uh, and have broadened our horizons as far as the scope of the region in which we look for deals. Um, so it's, it's primarily focused on the Midwest, but we've even you know ex uh, extended that further and invested in companies out of Florida, uh, Maryland, Iowa. Um, we're looking for good opportunities. So, um, and, and our network continues to grow and kind of people's awareness, other groups' awareness about who we are and what we invest in has, has also continued to evolve. So the deal flow continues to improve and it makes it more challenging for the companies out of Indiana because all of a sudden they have to compete you know, on a much broader stage uh, for that same capital. So for our dollars. Yeah. yeah. Question for you, um, what, as a small business owner, what signs should a business owner look for to reach out to somebody who's looking to invest in businesses? Like what, 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 what hurdles do they have to get over that you can accelerate and help them get to where they want to be? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I think we put uh, small business owners almost into two buckets. Um, one is more the more traditional lifestyle business where uh, they typically, um, have a kind of a, a ceiling on how big they can get, if you will. So uh, those companies are great. That's really what creates a lot of the jobs, you know, in the local community. And, and that's what kind of sustains the business uh, community uh, at that level. You know, the mom and pop shops all over the place. Um, those companies typically are not um, good candidates for angel investors. Uh, now, having said that, there are some great lifestyle business, what right. we call lifestyle businesses that generate, you know, uh, tremendous income for, the, for a small group of people or individuals. Um, and, and in those cases, uh, some, you know, potential angel investors get involved. But as a group like ours, um, the other bucket is really those companies that have high potential that are um, uh, developing or creating a business that, that is going to go into a very, very large market. And those markets, you know, have to be quarter of a billion, half a billion yeah. in size at a minimum in order for us to start to see some, uh, at least working backwards to start to see some 
potential in terms of uh, return on our capital. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of hurdles, and I think for, for small business owners, you know, that first of all, they have to de determine for themselves, do I need capital? What do I need exactly? Mm -hmm. And kind of where is, what stage is my business in? Uh, and where do I want to take it? So there's, there's really a lot of things they have to think about leading up even before they ever think about taking another dollar from somebody else. Um, the other thing too is, you know, you take somebody else's capital and all of a sudden it's not just your company. So right. the rules yeah. of engagement <laughs> changes, the, the whole dynamic potentially changes, you know, the culture and kind of the mission and the purpose of your company uh, takes on another kind of element, if you will. So it's it, it pretty probably, tricky. It takes a bit of a maturity too from a from a business owner who mm -hmm. you know has you know it's your child yeah right you know and oh now, yeah and now you're handing your child off to other experts that are 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 gonna make it blossom yeah <laughs> yeah but you know it, i think for those companies that realize or recognize that they're potentially operating in big markets and and have uh, you know tremendous potential with their technology or their business uh, they need those types of resources, uh, not only the capital resources, but the people resources to help them get there. Uh, being, you know, really an expert in growing these life science businesses, especially, um, life sciences seems like one of those things that's, that really has a hard start uh, because of compliance issues, uh, malpractice, uh, you know, all of these, you know, kind of things. If, if a young, you know, entrepreneur uh, you know, or even a, even a, a partnership has an idea for a life science company, and they want to bring it to fruition. How how does one even get the capital to get started? You know, is it because tech? It's you know, partner up with a developer, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and build an MVP. Yeah. Get some clients on board, and 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 the startup costs are really minimal. But it seems life sciences. It's not a minimal cost to mm -hmm. kind of open the doors, sure. is it? No, it's not, and and that's actually one of the I think challenges that life sciences has in general is you know really, you've already touched on a couple of things the the regulatory hurdles, uh, the cost to even start something like this, um, the cost to get to a commercialization point, and then a cost you know to get it beyond that. So, uh, and that's it's cost of time, it's cost of uh, capital, it's you know it's cost of. Um, um, the risk, you know, yeah. so there's a lot of components, a lot of factors that go into play. You know, it's when I started BioStorage, which was a company right. I started back in 2002, um, it was a, a life science services company, which is very different than a product company. But we still, you know, did the same thing. We built out a software platform and then we started to uh, purchase assets, you know, for the company. And it's just a step function. I mean, you, you kind of you kind of, first of all, you know the space and you know what it's going to take to get to where you think you want to go. Um, so you have a pretty good idea of what it's going to cost you and what's, what things you need to do in what order. Um, and I think, you know, with, with some of the resources that we have locally, there's a lot of good regulatory, you know, Pearl Pathways, for example, is, is one of our sponsors and, and they provide great regulatory advice for companies uh, that want to get that started okay and they can also connect those entrepreneurs in other areas you know whether it's an accountant or a, uh, a lawyer there's a all of those things come together almost at the same time and, and we do the same as well so if a company comes to us too early for for funding from us uh, but we're interested you know we're always interested in at least helping and, yeah. and helping guide them or direct them in a certain way um, so and, and I think that's one of the beauty about uh, one of the really nice things about Indiana is people are always really willing to help. 
And uh, that's very different from a lot of parts of of the country, other parts of the country. Uh, So here you really do see that. And uh, for a life science company or any other entrepreneur, you know, just going out there and networking and and asking a lot of questions and and people will point you in the right direction. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious, you know, obviously we have two giants, you know, here in the city from life sciences, you know, we have Lily and and Roche. Uh, Has that you know, uh, I mean, long time established, you know, ecosystem there. Is that a just a rich feeder system for, you know, the, the companies that you're working with? You know, um, oddly enough, they are a great support system. And, and we know a lot of folks uh, in both of those organizations yeah. and IU, the health system, you know, the mm-hmm. medical school, the health system in general, there's, there's a lot of really strong health uh, related assets that we have here in our community. And combined, I mean, those assets um, are great support mechanisms for us, either whether it's validating a technology or seeking out some sort of uh, an expert uh, in a particular field. Um, But in terms of providing, I think, providing uh, potential companies, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs within those companies on occasion come out and and we learn about them. But I don't think I wouldn't call it a feeder system, but it's more of a support system that that we have as angel investors and that entrepreneurs have. So it's not like you know, on the tech side, it was like software industry, software artistry, and made to manage, sure. and then exact target, of course. Right. You know, but now there's, you know, all these you know employees like like me and yeah. a thousand yeah. others. Yeah, I mean, they, doing they take on things. their own kind of. Um, it's it's. It's similar in yeah. some respects, but it's also, um, again, I, I, I wouldn't say that there is any particular feeder system uh, in our community. Interesting. Uh, really, so. Wow. Can you go into what, you know, you said life sciences several times, and uh, for our listeners here, can you go into a little bit more about what life science actually that's is? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, actually. Yeah. I'm just well, using that word because everybody else does. <laughs> no. You know, within life sciences, uh, that is kind of a, it's a very tricky word, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, that for us, that includes everything from from medical devices to healthcare IT to everything that is kind of in that in that arena that involves you know biological systems or it's a very generic term. You're okay. right, um, and we need to be more careful about how we use it. But uh, we we kind of use it all encompassing, at least from our perspective, uh, in terms of bringing in all these different types of companies. Mm-hmm. We we look at life sciences and we look at tech right and then we look at logistics so we kind of put those all into those buckets and then mm-hmm. within those you have those those sub uh okay subs for that interesting very cool so uh, w- what's hot right now like what are you guys really is there something you're looking for specifically or do you do people come to you more well we're always looking for things, uh, opportunities, uh, whether they might, whether they might be angel investors or Mm -hmm. deals. I mean, we're always looking to grow the the investor network and, and there are plenty of investors for us to grow into the market for angel investors, for example, is, is very, very small. There's only about three or 4% of the qualified, uh, households who are considered accredited investors uh, in the U S that invest. And so it's a very, very small subset of the entire population that's qualified that actually do this type of investment. So for us, it's always a challenge to continue to recruit new members um, and engage those new members in a way that 
they get comfortable with investing in these really early stage companies. High risk, but the potential returns are very high. And just getting them to understand kind of what those risks are and, and how they can support them, uh, yeah. in addition to writing their check. Uh, on the deal flow side, you know, we have companies that come to us every day almost with uh, an opportunity. I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't get an email from somebody from somewhere. It doesn't have to be Indiana, Indianapolis, Midwest. I mean, we, we get them from all over. Um, and so the deal flow, as I mentioned earlier, continues to, to become more robust um, and the quality certainly continues to increase. But there's a lot of noise out there, too, so in terms of deals and opportunities uh, that people bring to us. And and uh, we should we should explain to people too, accredited investors. You know, uh, I I think there used to literally be a legal term for there it. is yeah. actually yeah yeah and I and I'm not sure that it, it's still I, I saw that the laws have been weakened so that more people could be investors but but what you're looking for is people that can take risk and it's not going to de destroy them is basically right yeah, you the, know there is a definition is for there, yeah. uh, an accredited investor and that's on the securities and exchange okay. commission website uh, i'm not a lawyer so i'm not going right. to go into that right, but right. we do know kind of what the minimum requirements are yeah. in a nutshell your net worth has to be at least a million dollars not including right. the value of your home um, or you have to qualify or you can qualify as an accredited investor if you uh, alone, I think make at least two hundred thousand dollars a yeah. year, and, and don't see that changing for the foreseeable future. And then, if you're uh, coupled with a spouse or a partner, um, the combined, I think you have to make at least three hundred thousand. Yeah. So there are very clear definitions right. on what an accredited investor. And, is. and I think that's that's important, right? Is is that you have investors that they know that there's high risk yeah. involved in in these. So accreditation is a really important factor well it uh, is but you know it doesn't really speak to the sophistication of that particular individual oh, so yeah. there is a huge educational component that we take on at vision tech angels in terms of uh, bringing our investors up to speed on on evaluating risk yeah. um, and then getting to a point where uh, they become comfortable writing a check you know for for a company and they understand that if they lose that there is a, a there's a good chance that they're going to lose all their money. So, but we do have, a, you know, on that particular deal, right. uh, but we do have a portfolio strategy that hopefully mitigates uh, or at least lessens that risk right. uh, over time. But these are very, very high risk, very patient uh, investments that require a lot of handholding, a lot of support over that kind of that development yep. period. And you described uh, Vision Tech, you know, was early, you know, um, early investment. Is that post you know friends and family and post revenue and growth for consecutive quarters um you know what what at what stage you know are people looking to you yeah that's a great question too um and you know i think generally there is a kind of a funding life cycle for for companies that are going through um, the startup phase and it does start with what you just described, you know, the friends and family and what we call the friends and family and fools yeah. that invest in yeah. these enterprises really, really early. Um, but that's almost expected uh, in order to qualify you when you get to that angel stage. Oh, you know, I'm just kind of right. saying that, but, it, but uh, the reality is we want the entrepreneur to have some skin in the game and either them personally or their, you know, their close network to just kind of prove and validate that they're able to raise capital and that somebody else, you know, they pitched the concept and the idea and right. the business opportunity to somebody and sold them up on that. You, even if it's a family member or a friend. Um, and then what happens at, at, after that 
you know, it should give them, they should have, if they raise money, they should, they should have established some milestones and maybe accomplished, hopefully accomplished some of those milestones or objectives. And it gets them a little bit further down that development cycle. And then they get to a point where friends and family and fools aren't going to write any more checks. You know, the business needs more capital. And so now they have to uh, perhaps go into more uh, structured capital like ours, more sophisticated capital. And then as they, you know, we get them through uh, to a certain place uh, in development. And then at some point they may or may not need, you know, additional capital. And so there's, there's, and that's, that brings in venture capital at that point or, or somebody that's able to write a bigger check, bring more resources, more talent, you know, things like that. So, well, and I, I like that you're, you're touching on, you know, that it's not, it's not just money that you're bringing to the table with these folks is that you have this incredible network of intelligent people that have gone down this road dozens yeah. of times. And so, you know, when, when you invest in a company, that business owner now, now gets a world-class consultancy group, yeah, yeah. you know, to really help them grow that business. And that's, you know, that's, that's the difference from going and getting a loan from the bank, <laughs> you know, or working with an sure. angel investor. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we try to do that and we aspire to do that. And, and, um, and we try to be better at that. It's not always the case to be brutally honest. You yeah. know, we, uh, we do what we can with what we have. Um, a lot of it, again, goes back to educating our investors on how to be board members, how to be mentors and coaches. And I think our kind of ecosystem in Indiana, in Indianapolis for sure, uh, continues to be such that, you know, I think people are recognizing that as a real asset as well. And so there, you know, other groups similar to ours who are providing capital resources are also thinking about, you know, how effective their members are in, tr- in, in terms of a role as a mentor, as a coach, as a board member, because uh, those are really, really tricky relationships uh, to go into if you don't know what what you're doing. Uh, and, and the startup community or the startup experience is so different than a, for example, if you're on a board for a startup and you've been on a board in the corporate world, in a public company or even a private company that's much more mature, it's it's night and day the yeah. differences between those two. Yeah. Hmm. Um, quick question. Um, my 11-year-old's favorite show is Shark Tank. <laughs> Great. He watches hours and hours of Shark Tell Tank. Tell him not to believe anything. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so expand upon that. Why is that not believable? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I like that show. I, I like It's entertaining. It, yes. it is entertaining, but it's also interesting in that, um, well, obviously, you don't see the entire conversation that mm-hmm. these investors have had with that individual or, or that team uh, leading up to that point. And you don't see the vetting that has occurred up to that point. So there's a lot of work that happens before that company ever had a chance to, to get on television, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a, there's, and those are really, really kind of critical components of, of and we, t- we tell entrepreneurs this is, you can't just come to a group like ours and send us an email, send us a pitch deck and a term sheet and expect that we're going to open our doors. You know, to, this is a relationship thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes, you know, it takes a, a long time to develop that relationship. And, and so when you first meet with a new angel investor, you don't want to sell them on what you're doing. You want to get to know them. Yeah. Um, because it's really important for the entrepreneur to understand who they want to take capital from and what, what else they're bringing besides the capital. Um, and so, 
you know, just to, to get back to Shark Tank, it, it's entertaining. Um, but it, you know what it does represent or show is a really uh, the importance of a of a one minute pitch. You know, this elevator pitch, this, this idea of you have a minute to to say something in a way that's different than anybody else, that's captivating, that's engaging, and that at least causes a conversation to happen mm -hmm. uh, between you and a potential investor. We don't ever get, you know, a pitch that happens. In, you know, we have these pitch or pitch sessions that we have every other month with our angel group. We've never had a situation where we're writing checks right there, right after, or say, you know, we're going to invest in you. There's this whole due diligence piece that right. goes after that. So, you know, it's entertaining, um, but it is also telling in that you know investors talk to each other and they come up with ways to collaborate on deals and, and there's a lot of kind of in between the lines things mm -hmm. that you can read through that so it's it's entertaining for sure oh, I, yeah. I think yeah. it's aptly named oh you yeah bring in chum yeah, well, yeah. and well, the sharks are dragon's gonna... den originally <laughs> yeah. in canada and then they brought it down here with robert hershevik so yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we're a little bit nicer i hope yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh nevertheless it's very challenging and, and i think you know um it also speaks to kind of the the competition for deal for good high quality deal flow that mm -hmm. exists. I mean, if you have a good deal, you and, and a good opportunity, you really are in a position of strength, and and you really right. have you you will have competing uh, capital coming at you. So then it becomes really critical to evaluate, you know, what else those those uh, that ca those capital resources are bringing. I know, uh, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'd worked for Exact Target, but like afterwards, I worked for a couple of companies, Patron Path, Compendium, and stuff. And, and that consecutive growth was the incredible pressure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it wasn't consecutive, you weren't looking for consecutive growth necessarily for the health of the company. <laughs> you know, you burned out employees on it, you, you know, everything else. It was literally that, you know, what you were racing to was looking great for that next round, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and then you could take a breath, mm -hmm. you know, and, and organize better and everything else. Sure. But that sprint, that sprint is so important, mm -hmm. you know, when you get that, when that first funding, you know, you've right. you got to make it work. You do. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen so many times where it, it just doesn't work, you yeah. know, for, for a number of reasons. And you have to be able to uh, have the right team in place to, to make that pivot or to, to change directions or whatever the case happens to be, or to have a good investor uh, base that helps you figure out, you know, a better solution or a better path forward. So. I, uh, to close, I, I read an article recently on, um, maybe it was even on Chuck's Facebook, uh, and it was poo-pooing the idea of like these entrepreneurship classes for young people oh, and yeah, stuff like I that. Oh, yeah, I that, yeah. And I thought it was a fascinating read because, uh, and you're likely one of these people that you didn't plan to be an entrepreneur. You identified a problem built a company obviously it took off and and now you find yourself as a serial entrepreneur because you're reinvesting and in, in coming up with more you know is entrepreneurship something that you go do <laughs> or is business something you go do and then you wind up you know becoming an entrepreneur yeah i don't know i think there's probably a little bit of both honestly i mean okay. i think um for me i don't think that i would have had the guts to start my own company if i didn't have some basic knowledge about what it was going to take yeah and, and i got that quite frankly through an mba you know my program at, at uh, in colorado at cu um 
that gave me the confidence and, and, and again, some level of knowledge to, to uh, feel good enough about how to move forward. That said, I mean, there's entrepreneurs every day that we talk to that haven't had that level of, of um, education. Um, and, you know, we, we talked to people that didn't even graduate from, from college. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think, and, you know, my uncle is, is a great example. He was an entrepreneur. He started his own businesses. They were very successful. Um, and he just, he barely graduated from high school. So, you know, I, I think it's, it, part of it is the way you're wired. Um, and part of it is kind of the foundation that, that you grow up in and, and the things that you're exposed to. Um, but I think that individuals, as they're growing and, and going through, you know, experiencing schools, our school systems, our, our you know, friends and, and the families, and, and you, you know, you get, you start to think about, if you're exposed to the right environments, you start to think more broadly. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think it, it's just the, the whole idea of how do you think um, whether you think very narrowly and very directionally, um, I think is very limiting. And so, you know, when we were raising our two sons, we tried to teach them to think more openly about everything. Just, right. And I think that's kind of uh, translated to, um, you know, they're a little bit more on the free spirit side. They're not so corporate, if you will. And yeah. um, so, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. We'll see. But uh <laughs> Well, definitely, they you know they get to see your history, yeah. so that's that's got to be. Inspiring. And they think it's all so easy. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yes. I want to do what Dad does. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, Dad doesn't do anything. He you runs know, around in shorts and <laughs> you know whatever. It's funny you say that. I I was talking to my 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 daughter, you know, and she's you know she has she definitely has the taste, right? You know, she graduated college, but she she loves this small business speed and everything else, and 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 I was. I, I'm trying to push her the opposite direction. I'm like, go work for a large corporation for a little bit because of the framework, the, mm -hmm. you know, the the support group, the balance, life balance, you know, all of those different things that come with a big company. You can't replace that experience working for small businesses right. all the time. Right. And uh, and she was like, you know, she was like, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't get great until, you know, you were, you know, you were 40 and started your own business. And I told her, I said. Let me tell you something. Life was a lot easier when I had a nine to five job. It was not yeah. like this, mm -hmm. you know, and I said it's trade offs, mm -hmm. you know, but but it's it is really important to get that variety of, mm -hmm. of experience. And, and I think mm -hmm. it's really important to give, you know, these young people kind of the opportunity to just see things that are they're just not used to. Yes. Um, and you know the fact that my kids got to see me do a startup company and go through all of that—it's just something that not not all kids get right. to get to see. And mm -hmm. so, uh, that's great when I think when you know the schools and the school systems have entrepreneurship types of yeah. um, programs or, or whatever those whatever they happen to be. Uh, I think the idea of just exposing them to different things. I love and, uh, and Next Tech. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of them that I I really love. Yeah, I've spoken to those kids a couple of times and opening their eyes you know they're they're uh, you know they're typically from um, lower income sure. families and mm -hmm. everything else so they don't they don't get any exposure mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so and they don't uh, even know that exists yeah you know, mm -hmm. unless right. they see something right like that so uh, that's fantastic Very powerful well o oscar thanks so much thank you for uh, having me it's yeah. been fun and for people to check out mm -hmm. vision tech partners it's vision tech partners it's 
tricky. Just type Vision Tech Partners, I think, on the web, on Google. Do a search. Or yeah, it's visiontech-partners.com. Okay. okay. Yeah, fantastic. And then, of course, um, you know, uh, rate us, review mm-hmm. us. and uh, Share us with all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps us take a step up. Um, Ryan, uh, your company, let everybody know what you do. Uh, uh, my IT Indy, we do IT services for businesses around Indiana and the surrounding states, I guess. Uh, we do a lot of Office 365 stuff and endpoint management. So we'd love to talk to you if you have any of those needs. And, uh, and this is Doug Carr from DK New Media. I, I do want to do a shout out. I don't do this, but maybe you should do it too. Um, just to one of my clients, uh, if you're in Indianapolis, one of the clients that I've been helping for the last uh, six months or so, Amos Exterior. So uh, this is totally outside the tech industry, everything else. I kind of did it almost on a dare, but taking care of a local home services mm-hmm. company. But these folks are absolutely incredible. I've been working with them. I think it's about a $40 million a year uh, company, but they do roofing, exteriors, siding, you know, I just want to give a shout out because we, we started a program where they, we were collecting reviews from their, their, uh, their previous customers. And a couple of the previous customers said that they weren't happy. And one of them was like a year ago and boy, they rolled out the red carpet, went back, fixed, you know, everything, sent them a gift basket, a gift card, you know, and, and made it right. Right. And I, I, you know, home services is a torturous industry. Mm -hmm. And so watching these guys really just pull out all the stops to make sure that they have, um, great, you know, um, customer service. I'm, I'm really impressed with. Mm So they're my client full disclosure there, but, uh, if you guys need any type of that, uh, work, amosexteriors.com. You got a client that you want to shout out? Absolutely. Um, Fatheads, that's F-A-T-H-E-A-D-Z. That's not the sticker company. They actually make glasses for people with fat heads. I have a pair of fathead sunglasses. Oh, you do? They're awesome. <laughs> do. Well, they're yeah. based out of Indianapolis. They, I did we, not know that. Oh, yeah. They're, um, they were on 16th Street. We just moved them to 28th and High School Road. Yeah. Um, they just bought a building. We moved them in, and they are awesome. They make glasses for uh, – I'm wearing fatheads right now. Yeah. Actually, I got a limited edition set because they didn't like the color purple, so they sent them all back. But they gave me a pair, so I've got like one of two pairs of these nice. in the world. Um, Rico, the owner, is awesome. They're great to deal with. He always just says, give me your prescription. I'll just get you some glasses. I know it looks good on you, and he just (laughs) gives me glasses. But they're great to deal with. The whole sales staff is awesome. They know what they need to do to be successful, and they do it. Awesome. And fatheads.com, obviously, yep. you can buy them right off the You web. can. Uh, you also, uh, you can buy them in distribution, like Walmart and stuff, okay. or a lot of optometrists. You can do prescription glasses with them, too. Mm. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, this is Doug Carr, Ryan Grimes, and mm. uh, serial entrepreneur uh, Oscar Morales. Thanks for spending time with us My today. pleasure. Thanks Thank for you, having Oscar. me. Thanks for All making right. time thanks for Ryan. us today. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.